grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Nowadays, there is confrontation over, over almost anything and everything. And it can happen anywhere. The people among whom the confrontation happens may not even have any relationship with those that confront them. A confrontation may be over politics, and realistically, this country is very divided over politics. Emotions and anger boil over very quickly, sometimes from people you least expect it from. People of one party are convinced that the other party is to blame for all the problems of this country. Sometimes it is really just over personalities. Your guy is the best candidate, and if the other candidate dares to say something negative, there is a brutal takedown. And you wonder, can't we simply get along? Can't we live in peace with one another? It's not just in politics. It's in religion as well. One religion against the other. This happens when the religions are very dissimilar. But sometimes it, it, it happens when they have a commonality. That commonality being a God. Although the God being referred to is very different between the religions. And sometimes it happens among Christian denominations. We are Christians. Still, there are what seems to be intractable differences that have defied all solutions. So name-calling or denigrating the other denomination makes, us, makes one feel good. It is not only among the different denominations. There is acrimonious relationship within the same denominations. It is in our own LCMS too, especially when the time comes for synodical elections. Sometimes it can get so bad, you would think the supporters have never heard of one another. Instead of a joyful time, it becomes a time of animosity. The tension and name calling comes down after the elections, but it's only for a few years because the next election will come around. The tension even happens in local congregations where some people in the same congregation find it hard to get along. They may only tolerate the presence of one another, but sometimes the tension is obvious. It is not unheard of that people may belong to the same congregation, but they may never speak to one another. You think about these things, and you think about Jesus. You know he's the one who would bring peace to the world. He was born for that. In Isaiah's prophecy about Jesus, he said, his name shall be called the Prince of Peace. When Jesus was born, the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. We associate Jesus with peace, and we are not wrong. It is true about him. He often tells people, peace be with you. And his words are not empty wishes. They bring the peace he declares to the people. No one can do that better than him. Knowing all that about him, it can be shocking to hear what he says to the disciples in our gospel reading today. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. What? Jesus bringing a sword? That sounds like a completely different Jesus. It is not the Jesus we have come to know. It is not the Jesus we desire. 
But what we have is not a misprint. They are the actual words of Jesus. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Imagine you've been trying to tell somebody about Jesus, that he's the most loving, the most humble, the most gentle, and the most peaceful of any human beings to have ever lived on this earth. And maybe you said as much to a friend of yours, and a friend has agreed to read the Bible with you. Everything is going great until you come across this passage we have before us today. What is that going to do to all your efforts to lead your friend to follow Jesus and become a fellow believer? Do you just try and skip around the Bible and make an excuse for Jesus? No, because Jesus knows exactly what he is talking about. He did not make a mistake. What if he had not said it? And then in your own experiences and observations of the world's reaction to Jesus, you realize it is true, which it is. The name of Jesus does not always bring peace, not even to members of the same family. It's been true since he began his healing and preaching and teaching ministry. We might wonder how shocking things would have been to the disciples if Jesus had not said anything at all about the coming persecution, and then they suddenly faced all the opposition and persecution that happened to them because they dared to follow Jesus and speak favorably about him. It would have been easy for them to call it quits and go back to their old way of life and not have to contend with all the hostilities that they faced. If that had happened, the world would be the worst for it because people would not have a way of being reconciled to God. People would not know. We need this reconciliation because from the beginning, going all the way to Adam and Eve, we've made ourselves enemies of God by trying to make things about ourselves, putting ourselves first as often as possible. But it has to be first and foremost about Jesus and then about Jesus for you. Jesus speaks frankly to us too. I have not come to bring peace by the sword. Now, to be sure, most of us, perhaps none of us, would ever experience what could, could come with being followers of Jesus, persecution. Maybe that's a good thing, because we can be comfortable Christians and say how great it is to follow Jesus since, since we do not have to worry about someone doing something bad to us, simply because we follow Christ. But I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't really know if that's the best thing. And I'm not saying we should go out and look for trouble because we are Christians. I suppose no one likes to suffer, especially when you have not done anything to anyone except perhaps tell them about Jesus as the only Son of God and the Savior of the world from sin. I don't know whether or not it's a good thing that we don't face the sort of persecution as Christians in this country. We have our brothers and sisters in Christ in certain countries of the world today undergoing persecution because they simply believed in Jesus or they left their old religion to believe in Jesus. I doubt if they would say it's a good thing. But they would agree that Jesus has counted them worthy to suffer for his name. We should, of course, read and think carefully about what Jesus is saying when he told the disciples that he had not come to bring peace but a sword. He had come to bring peace. 
He himself affirms it. Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. So we could understand the first part of Jesus' statement, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace by the sword as an exaggerated negative statement. We can read it as, do not suppose that I have only come to bring peace on earth. Because of our sinful nature, the inevitable result of his coming will be conflict and strife. His message will not resonate with everybody. For those who will not heed his message and repent and believe in him, it's like he brings a sword. Jesus will cause painful divisions between people, even family, where you're supposed to find the greatest bond might be affected. Yes, there are families that are broken that have nothing to do with Jesus being spoken about. But we are talking about the situation where Jesus becomes the problem in the family. It can be hard if the family or other relationships you had were previously believers in Jesus just like you, and somehow they now believe worldly wisdom is better than faith in Jesus. They may believe that Christianity is now archaic, something that only belonged to the past because people didn't know better. You disagree with them because you believe that Christian faith is valid for all time, and it is valid. You might recall what Paul said to Timothy, that a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. There are families that get divided because of Jesus. Perhaps you know families like that. Maybe it has happened in your own family with some members not wanting to hear anything at all about Jesus, and it's causing you so much anguish. Relationships being strained, or in some cases being cut off because of Jesus, may be our cross to bear. It may be our burden as we try to remain faithful to Jesus. It may make us unhappy. We may not have peace. You can count how many times Jesus uses I, or me, or my, in our text. It quickly becomes clear that it's all about Jesus, but it's also about Jesus for you. His love for you will not make him sugarcoat anything. His desire is for you to see you remain a member of his forever kingdom. That makes him give a realistic picture. If you face opposition due to his name, he's still for you. You may not be able to talk to those who do not want to hear about Jesus from you because they've told you so. Doesn't mean there's nothing you can do. You can pray for them. You can pray for them every day for the rest of your life. And because Jesus desires all people to be saved, he might answer your prayers for them. He might lead them to repentance, to see their brokenness and their need for Jesus. And Jesus has assured us that he does not reject those with broken and contrite hearts. He does not shut the door to peace to people we bring to him. Still, because it's about Jesus for you, you must always come to him in repentance. Because you may have let fear or embarrassment prevent you from telling somebody about Jesus when you had the opportunity. It is the same for me. We cherish the comfort 
we have from not having to speak about Jesus. We do live in a challenging environment for telling others about Jesus. Perhaps we've been burned before for telling others about Jesus, maybe more than once. And so we've learned from experience to talk about Jesus only when we are in the company of other Christians who agree with us. But Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace by the sword. You would notice that Jesus is saying that he is the one who makes the difference. It's all about hands except Jesus Christ alone. It is not selfishness or self-promotion on his part, but the truth about himself. No one can do for the world what he has done. No one can do what he has done for you. And so we have to make clear that it is not about anyone else but about him. He's not boasting about himself because what he says is the absolute truth. And we get the opportunity to acknowledge his love and to tell others about him. Whether they hear us or not, whether they care about what we tell them or not, whether they see their need for him as we see our need for him or not, he is still the one. Nothing will change that. He has done so much for us already. It cannot be quantified because he has saved us body and soul, to be ready to live with him when he returns. He has done it in a way we can see, even if we didn't see it for ourselves, because it happened so long ago when we were babies, just like it happened with Rand today. He didn't require any effort from us. He did it all alone, yet allowing us to participate in what he has so graciously done. He took us, descendants of Adam and Eve, who disobeyed God and who follow in their footsteps to disobey what God has commanded us to do. We could be doomed to everlasting condemnation, but by his work he has said, no, that's not going to happen. I died for your law-breaking. I took them with me in my death, and I took you with me and drowned them in your baptism, and I brought you up out of the water, a new person, forever new. Remember your baptism and know that I am with you and for you, not just for now, but forever. We don't need anything else. We shouldn't need anything else from him. But he has given us a reward because he has made us his children. What Jesus said about reward is intriguing. He talks about receiving a reward. We've sometimes wondered about what this reward is without finding the answer. Here, at least, we can tell that the reward is not about us, but it is about those who here receiving the same reward we have received. That reward is a blessing of others becoming children of God. The reward, children of God. You may or may not see that reward right now, but Jesus credits you with being the one through whom somebody came to believe in him. You may not have thought about yourself, yourself as being important to Jesus as far as leading people to faith. But because of you, somebody gets the reward of becoming a member of God's kingdom. Yes, you telling somebody about Jesus may bring you trouble, a sword, but it may bring somebody to Jesus. It's all about Jesus as it has to be but it's also about Jesus and his love for you, his love that knows no ending for you. Amen.